Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Um, ask yourself this question, what am I waiting for? Christmas. You're waiting for Christmas? Okay, fine. Turn to the person next to you and just in one sentence, what are you waiting for? Is there anything that you're waiting for? You can answer it at whatever level you want to, be it deep or shallow, however, however you want to do it. What are you waiting for? Okay, so that's what you're waiting for. Perhaps an even more important question is, what am I learning while I'm waiting? What am I learning while I'm waiting? Okay, is that a little bit heavy for this morning? Is that a bit, is that a bit deep? Okay, well, today's talk is called, can you put the first slide up for me, Katie? Thank you. It's called, While You Wait. This isn't part of a series, it's, not a, it's, it's, it's a standalone talk, although it does lead us into where we're going next week. But um, I just wanted to take some time to reflect on where we are in this season, um, where I am in this season. This is based on something that God has been specifically talking to me about over the last couple of weeks. And, I just, and, and, and so consequently, I'm going to share a little bit of my own personal experience as well as uh, some things from the Bible. Um, but... Waiting is inevitable, isn't it? I mean, there are places where you go and you, they will do something for you while, while you wait. Um, it's not that waiting is inevitable. It is, wait, it, sorry, <clears throat> let's start that again. Waiting is inevitable. The question is, how are we waiting? What is our posture while we're waiting? And how are we allowing God to speak to us? Um, those things at the back, they don't need to go out for everybody, thank you. They're, they're just there in case you want them. I was going to mention them at the end. I didn't do one for everybody, but thank you. Um, thank you for being on it. Um, what is our posture? How are we allowing God to speak to us, lead us and teach us while we are waiting? So many years ago, uh, in the days before the internet, I was 22, and it was 1992, and I had a favorite band, U2, actually, and I'd never seen U2 before. I'd followed them since I was a teenager, and I was living in Birmingham, and I realized they were coming to this place at the top, the NEC um, arena, it's got a new name now, but um, it was called the NEC Arena then. And they were going to be playing live, uh, and that wasn't that far from me. And I decided that I was definitely going to get a ticket and go. Um, in those days, the only way to get a ticket was to go and queue up at the NEC box office at a certain time. It happened to be 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning when the, ticket, um, the, the tickets opened and were available. Now, arena, what, 10 12,000 people, something like that, something like that, the capacity of the arena. Um, me and my sister decided we were going to go and get one, and we were trying to figure out how early we would need to get there in order to be, make sure that we got a ticket. Um, and so we thought, well, what should we get up at 2 at 3 a.m., 2 a.m.? We decided what we would do is we wouldn't bother going to bed. We would just, um, on Saturday night, after we'd been out somewhere, I can't remember, maybe the pub or somewhere, we would just go down to the arena and we would get in the queue. And we thought, well, if we do that, we'll, I mean, okay, it'll be a long night, but we'll, we'll definitely get a ticket. And so we arrived at the arena and um, it was about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, we found the box office, and we saw the queue, and we were a bit blown away. There were so many people waiting in the queue. We followed the queue all the way around to the side of the arena, all the way around the back of the arena, to this. And, and where the back of the queue was for us was somewhere like this. It was like this random bit of a car park uh, around the back of the NEC um, with a great big sort of air vent thing next to us. And that was how we spent the night, just waiting 
uh, to see if we could get a ticket to see you too. And nine o'clock in the morning came, and uh, the queue slowly started moving. And about 1, 2 p.m., something like that, on Saturday afternoon, we got to the front of the queue, and we did manage to get our tickets. <laughs> but there weren't that many people behind us who got them. You know, we were pretty close to the end of the queue. And I look back on that, and it was the Zoo TV tour, for anybody who's a fan. It was this gig here. It says there, NEC Arena. So I think the actual gig was the 1st of June, 92. So I'm presuming this happened a few weeks or months before then. I don't really remember. Um, I've seen you two a few times since. I tell you what, with the advent of the internet, it's a lot easier to buy tickets <laughs> these days. And, but the thing is, when I look back on that experience, I don't really remember it being a particularly hard or long wait. Maybe it's just disappeared from my uh, mind over the years. Or maybe I was just really happy to be waiting because I knew what I was waiting for. I, I, I don't know. Because it's, it's unusual, though, because nowadays I could be driving in a traffic queue, get held up for one minute or two minutes, and be really impatient. I mean, is anybody else like this? You know, you get into a traffic queue, and you go, right, the cars have stopped. Where's another way that I can go to get home? And, you, and nowadays, even with Google, you're looking at Google, and Google's saying, it's a three-minute wait, okay? You've got three minutes to wait, and you're going, three minutes, hmm. If I go that way, it's 10 minutes, but I'm still driving, so maybe I'll go that way, because I like... Is it just me, or is it... Ever, okay. Is it... It is just me, is it, Dave? Okay. Uh, is it a bloke thing? No, okay, fine. Okay, yeah, I would rather drive 10 minutes than wait two minutes. Sometimes it feels like that. Anyway, I'm learning that. And by the way, and when you're on the motorway and you're in the middle of it all, there's no way off anyway, so that's impossible. Waiting is just a fact of life, isn't it? And um, the Bible has a lot to say about waiting. There are many things that it has to say. There are many, many verses. But here's just three that I've picked up on, which I think capture a sense of what the Bible says about waiting. It says in Lamentations, the Lord is good, to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It says in Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. And it says, perhaps best known in Isaiah 40, I love this verse, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not be faint. And there are many other similar verses with a similar sense in the Bible. I think you could probably say that the message of the Bible is consistent on this point, that when it comes to waiting on God or waiting for God, God is usually not in a hurry, okay? God is not usually in a hurry to act. Often we are in a hurry. We want stuff to happen. We want things to go well. We want things to change. God, it seems, is not particularly in a hurry and generally invites us to wait. That doesn't mean that he's not doing stuff He's always doing stuff. We've just sung that. You never stop working. You never stop working. We've sung that. But the truth, it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. And by the way, it's not the kind of waiting that you have to do at a dentist. It's not a kind of, you have to wait because I don't have the capacity to deal with you right now because I'm dealing with somebody else. It's not that kind of waiting. It's the kind of waiting that as a, a parent, you might say to your child, there's a bigger perspective here. There's a bigger picture to see, and we don't always see it at the first time. And, and so what we're asking for might not be the best thing to ask for. And the waiting is all about us 
enlarging our perspective. And also, by the way, God is not leaving us alone in the waiting. While we take time to fully tune in and hear his voice, he is with us. The Bible's very clear on that. He is with us. He's right there. Okay, he might not be answering our questions. Okay, he might not be doing the things that we really want him to do. But he is not leaving us alone in the waiting. He's not usually in a hurry, and that can be frustrating sometimes. Things in our lives might seem urgent and important. But God often has a bigger picture in mind. And it's been the same for centuries, actually. And you can look in the Old Testament, and you can see the same story that went on with God's people. The nation of Israel spent 40 years waiting in the desert They had been rescued from slavery. They'd been brought out of Egypt. They'd been promised a fantastic land to go to, to make their new home in. But they had to wait before they could enter it for 40 years. (laughs) How many people either are 40 or have been 40 or can remember 40? (laughs) That's a long time, right? 40 years is a generation, I mean, imagine a whole generation waiting, wandering and waiting, just so that their, as it turned out, descendants could be the ones who entered the promised land. Imagine if God made you a promise that he was going to do something incredible, something amazing in your family, but it needed to wait a whole generation before it would come to pass. How would you feel about that? Imagine that. In those 40 years while God's people were waiting, God wasn't just putting his feet up and chillaxing, you know. He wasn't doing nothing. He wasn't in a hurry. But he was doing stuff. He was teaching them things. He was teaching them internal things. He was teaching them character. He was present with his people. He didn't abandon them, but he was helping them to see the bigger picture. And they were learning, pretty much learning the hard way, how to trust him had to trust in God rather than rely on their own resources. So while the Israelites were waiting in the desert, just a quick summary, I think they learned four, well, there are loads of things that they learned, but four things that I think they they were learning that just come to my mind. Firstly, they were learning about provision. They were learning to trust God for what they needed daily. You know, he was giving them the food that they needed. He was saying, by the way, don't take more than you need just for this day. If you remember that story, the manna was going bad once it had gone past the day. He was saying, no, no, no. There'll be plenty for tomorrow. You just need to trust me for today. They were learning about consequences. They had actually had the choice to enter into the land that he'd promised them, but they looked at it and gone, too scary, we can't do that. And so God had said, okay, then you'll need to wait. Okay? They were learning about consequences of, of fear and lack of trust. They were learning about following. They didn't actually know where they were going. God provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And every day they had to get up and they had to say, okay, where today, God? Which direction? Right, we'll follow you. This was a journey where they didn't know where the end was. And they were learning about worship. They were learning how to steward the presence of God. You know, the Israelites carried with them a tabernacle, a holy tent, a place for God to dwell in. And every time they made camp, they set it up And they figured out, they remembered, and they learned how to steward the presence of God. These are all the things, and there were many more, but these are just four things that I picked up on. Things that the Israelites, that God's people were learning while they were waiting. And, you know, if I'm honest, if they'd learned those lessons quick, maybe they wouldn't have had to wait 40 years. Who knows? It took a while, didn't it? And Moses, their leader, was somewhat frustrated. 
And God was teaching him too. And there's one passage from that whole time that just stands out to me. And it's an encounter that Moses had with God up a mountain. And it kind of sums up what Moses and what God's people were learning. Moses says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, when push comes to shove, Moses and God's people were learning about complete reliance on their Father God. They were learning that nothing else works. They were learning that they have a unique identity in God, that they are marked, they are characterized by the presence of God, that without God's presence, they are nothing, and that it's actually pretty pointless to go ahead on their own. Their whole identity as a people was wrapped up in being God's covenant people, his loved and chosen and provided for people with a wonderful future and a hope. And that was true for them, and it's true for us. It took a generation of waiting for God's people to really learn who they were. Sometimes it feels like it's taking us a whole generation to figure out who we are, doesn't it? How long have we been at this? How deeply have we learned and understood who we really are in God? You see, God had an amazing future planned for them, but they needed to realign their mindset and their values. They needed to adjust their plans and their schedules to line up with God's. They needed to trust his timing, because as I've already said, God was not in a hurry. That's a bit about God's people in the Old Testament, but what about us here and now? What kind of season do we find ourselves in right now? November 2021 Winchester. What are we asking God to do? What hopes do we hold on to? What dreams have we yet to fulfill? It might be that you're waiting for something in the area of health, be it physical or mental or emotional health. Maybe you're waiting for some kind of healing to happen, waiting for, waiting for conditions to improve, waiting for treatment to kick in. It might be in the area of employment or welfare or finances. Maybe you're waiting for a pay rise or a promotion, or a new job, or a different career direction. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to recognize what you can do. Maybe you're waiting to pay off a debt, or waiting for economics to change. It may be to do with relationships or friendships. Maybe you're waiting to have some quality time with a loved one or a close family member. Maybe you're waiting to resolve a difficult conflict. Maybe you're getting over the pain of a breakup or falling out. We've sung this morning you are, that, that God is mending every heart. Maybe you're kind of going, I wish you'd mend my heart a bit quicker. Maybe you're trying to make friends, find new community, find a place to belong. Maybe you're looking for people like you. And even if none of those things are true, I would like to suggest that all of us are in a pretty weird post-pandemic waiting time. You see, things are more normal than they were, aren't they? But I don't think they're back to normal yet. It doesn't feel like we're back to normal, whatever that is. We're all doing our best, aren't we, to get on with life in uni or college or school or at work or in the family or in our community. But there is still, I don't know if it's just me, but what I'm sensing, and when I talk to people, this is what they're sensing too, I sense a weariness. I sense, to some extent, fear and anxiety. Um, certainly uncertainty and an unsettledness around the place. Um, you know, the w- winter is looming. 
uh, illness is still floating around. Work patterns are not, you know, back to normal for many people. There's still a lot of disruption. Even though we're not strictly in lockdown, people are isolating. I mean, how many people here know someone right now who's either ill or isolating, for example? Yeah, loads of us. I don't know how you're finding this term so far. Um, I found it pretty draining, stressful, busy, unusual, disruptive. Just nod your head if, you, if you're finding anything like that the same. If you're not, that's fine. If you're having a great time, that's awesome. I'm not trying to put, any, I'm not trying to put anything on you, by the way. I'm just trying to sort of reflect what I think's going on. Like many of you, I was hoping and planning that life would be more back to normal this term than it perhaps is. I was really looking forward to that. I find myself facing yet more uncertainty and asking myself questions like, how long will this last? And what is going to happen next? Is it, is it just me? Can you, can you relate to this? Does this resonate with people? Hmm. Thank you. Can I share a few? I'm going to share a few personal experiences. I hope that's all right. I don't want to get too personal. but um, For me, 2019 was a pretty pivotal year, just in my own life. I was 50 years old in that year, so it felt like a significant uh, year. And um, I knew that God was talking to me about uh, the next season of my life. The kids were growing up and, to an extent, getting ready to move on or moving on. Um, it was coming up to a decade since Joe and I came here to Winchester to take over the church. Uh, we were beginning to get a sense of how God might be inviting us, asking us to follow him in the next season as we led the church into the next decade. I knew that this would mean, for me, personally, a period of significant growth. Significant spiritual growth, character growth, and leadership growth. I recognize that when you've been doing something for as long as we have, almost 10 years, this role, um, you're going to get into, slipped into habits and patterns that you don't want to stay in for the rest of your life. I just knew that I was going to need some help to grow. I was thinking about how I could engage with a coach, somebody who could help me with this at the very least. And I was just beginning to get my head around this and take some steps towards it at the start of 2020 when, as you know, COVID kicked in and everything changed for everybody. This isn't just about me. And now, as you know, COVID's been an incredibly challenging season. Life suddenly got very busy. We were just trying to respond to the unfolding crisis in front of us. And honestly, there has hardly been much spare time since, it feels like. And I, again, I'm not trying to plead any special case. For me, many of us have dealt with disruption and stress and found our agendas completely changed through the pandemic. But I've been reflecting on this recently because this term finally I did have started to just engage with a guy who's helping me, coaching me, and helping me think about this and reflect on it all. And I couldn't help but go back over the last two years and feel really frustrated that my plans have been put on hold for two years. Only now do I have the capacity and the brain space to think about what new information I need to take on board, how I need to learn and grow. And I was talking to my coach, and he's got this way of speaking, excuse me. <coughs> he talks about... He says, the challenge here is to become a bigger leader. Now, I don't mean physically bigger. <laughs> I could do with becoming a smaller leader, if I'm honest. I'm talking about character, and I'm talking about spiritually and emotionally. He's talking about being a bigger person, being a bigger leader, stepping up, growing in wisdom, growing in leadership, as well as in trust and reliance on God. And so I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm realizing 
um, that if I, can, if I can take the steps that I think God is inviting me to take, then I'll be in a better place to lead the church for whatever God's inviting us into in the next season. And so I'm talking all this through, and I'm talking it through with my spiritual director, because, yeah, I have a coach, and I also have a spiritual director. Um, she's amazing. She just helps me to see what God is doing and reflect on it and, and respond to it. And she was, I was just saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be growing. I'm excited that God wants me to become a bigger leader, a bigger person. Um, I'm excited about all that, and I'm really frustrated that it's taken two years since I was able to start this process. And my spiritual director said, oh, that's interesting. She said, oh, it reminds me of a, a verse in Romans chapter 8, and specifically in the message version of the Bible. And um, I read it, and it absolutely smacked me between the eyes. It, was, it absolutely resonated with me so powerfully that I want to share it with you as well. Um, and it's a passage that begins, this is Romans 8, and it's around verse 25, 26. And it's a passage that begins by comparing the present day sufferings that we might be experiencing now with the future glory that God wholeheartedly promises us. And it's all about, Paul is about setting today in the context of the future. And he, um, it's, he uses, he talks about the whole of creation waiting and groaning for this future glory. And he also uses a metaphor of pregnancy, which is a hard one for me to relate to. I can't work. <laughs> I, find, I said, I, I really get that it's a powerful image. It's a powerful metaphor. But some of you have been pregnant and you know about that sense of waiting and expectation. And I just love how um, the message version of this puts it. So here it is. It says, all around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. It's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. And these sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us. Any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy and for me, the key verse, I don't know if it hits you between the eyes, that shouted out to me was this one. We are enlarged in the waiting. And here's me thinking, how do I become a bigger person, a bigger leader, bigger in God, a bigger interior life, a bigger and better character? I wish I could start this two years ago. Why has the pandemic got in the way of me growing like, oh, <laughs> we are enlarged in the waiting. Now, some of us might think that we have literally been enlarged during lockdown um, because of a lack of exercise. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something far more profound. And the reason that this passage hit me between the eyes is because I'm I completely misunderstood how I've been thinking about the last couple of years. You see, my internal narrative has been, oh, God's been speaking to me about my life and about the church and how I'm meant to grow and the kind of steps I need to take. And yet, because of COVID, none of that has been possible. And instead, Joe and I have been very busy leading the church through this crisis, responding to COVID has taken up all of our capacity. We've maxed out. Now, listen, we don't resent or regret that in any way. It's our job. It's our calling. That's no problem. But I have just felt incredibly frustrated because I have felt like there are things that I was supposed to do, and I couldn't do them because we were doing this because of COVID. And I really thought God wanted to push these things forward, and that simply hasn't been possible. And what I realized as I read this is that my narrative has been all wrong and I just haven't seen the big picture. And God has been at work throughout this period teaching me some lessons 
becoming a bigger person, being enlarged in the waiting. All this time that I've been busy trying to respond to COVID and do all the things that we've had to do to keep people connected, to help people get close to Jesus, to find some rest and balance, all of that, all of that in the back of my mind, all this time, COVID was happening and we're doing this stuff and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, when can I grow in the things that I want to grow in? When can I move forward with this? What is God's future for me and the church? And what I've learned is that God was using this process all the way along. The waiting was very real and it still is. But I have been enlarged and hopefully am being enlarged in the waiting and God wasn't putting any of this time to waste. Just let me restate so it's really clear. I am not saying that God caused COVID. I'm not saying in any way that I wanted the suffering or the death or the pain or the loss or God did that brought about everything or multiple of them. I'm not saying that, not at all. But I do believe that God has been working through this time. And certainly with me, he's been using it to teach me some very valuable and quite deep lessons. And I honestly don't believe it's over yet either. God is still at work and he's still not in a hurry. And no matter how fast I would like things to be back to normal, God is clearly still trying to show me the bigger picture. And there are some steps I can take now, and there'll be some steps I need to take next. And so I wonder, that's me, but what about you? What has God been teaching you in this time? What is God trying to teach you now? Oh, yes, I'm coming to that. How are you feeling in this time right now? Are you tired of the waiting? And I suspect that some of us are, actually. And what I found that was really beautiful was just moving on from that passage, the, the very next passage. In, you know, in, I don't know if you've read the message version, but it, 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 it formats the text slightly differently to the, the way the older translations do, and so it does it in chunks. And the next chunk is this passage here. And I found such encouragement here. It says, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. And if we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter because he does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I found such encouragement in that, and I particularly loved this phrase. He keeps us present before God. I have an old friend. He's in his 80s now. He's a retired Baptist minister. I've mentioned him before. He's up in Birmingham. His name's Bill Dixon. And he has this thing. He says, if you say, hey, Bill, how are you doing? Um, would, would, if you say, will you pray for me? He says, yeah. I'll call your name. He says, I'll call your name, meaning I'll call out your name before the Father. I love the idea. I love that because I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling my name before God. When it says he keeps me present in the waiting, I love the idea that the Holy Spirit is making sure that God remembers about me and the stuff that I'm going through every day. He keeps me present before the Lord. I am known and I am loved, and I am not on my own as I go through whatever it is that I'm going through. And that's the, true for all of us. And so I'd love to encourage you that if you're in a situation right now 
where you cannot see what's happening, where you feel a deep sense of frustration or impatience, where you're in pain or where you're desperate for, act to God, for God to act on your behalf. If you don't know what to do next, God is and can be present for you right here, right now. The Holy Spirit is keeping us present before God as we wait. And if we don't even know what prayers to pray, he's doing our praying for us. And if that's you, and if you're in that scenario, we would love to pray for you today. I'm going to finish in about three minutes, and we're going to have some time, maybe four. It won't be many, though. Um, and we're going to have plenty of time. Where are we going to pray? And we'd love to minister, because God's Holy Spirit is here. And if you're experiencing some of that, then we'd love to pray for you. Just very briefly, and here in summary, three ways that I think God can use these times of waiting to help us grow. I think while we're waiting, we can grow in our vision and our expectation. You know, in the waiting, we're reminded of our hopes and dreams. We get clarity on what it is that we want to do in the future, what's important. We get a, a, a clearer picture of our preferred future. While we're waiting, we can grow in patience and character as we learn to live within the limits that are imposed around us and as we figure out how to live through this moment and how to embrace what God is doing. And we learn emotional health as we face our feelings, as we're honest about how things are and we deal with our thoughts and feelings. And also, while we're waiting, we can grow closer to God. We learn that he is always present for us, that he is ready to stay close, that he can cope with all our feelings and our frustration and our pain, that he's ready to meet with us, to meet us in the difficult places. We learn that he's not leaving us alone, that he's ready to walk through these times with us. You know, what's Psalm 23 say? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And so as individuals, as followers of Jesus, let's embrace the waiting Let's trust that God is at work in us, that he has a plan and that he's close, even when we don't feel it. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. We've sung that this morning. He has a plan. God wants to meet with us in the waiting. And as a church, this is something that I would love us to think about. It's something that I would love us to do. You know, things are not completely back to normal as a church yet either. We're so grateful for the stewarding teams that uh, help us and the, uh, the, the car parking and serving and making church happen on Sunday. So grateful for you if you're part of that. You know, many of us are waiting still for tea and coffee. Sorry, it, it'll come. <laughs> it'll come. Um, as we said back at the start, when, when it was Easter and we started to say, talk about how we were going to unlock. We didn't quite know how it was all going to work, but we did say that we would prioritize for our young people, and we have. You know, there were 32 young people at our worship event on Friday night. That's, that's a record and a miracle, I think. That's fantastic. Um, we said that we would prioritize to help our young people connect first, and thank you to all of you, those of you who've been on teams to help that happen on Sundays and on Fridays and during the week. From what I can see, that is happening. We are continuing to build community through our life groups and other events that we're doing. We're making space for people to process their pain and loss. Um, the, the churches that heal courses have going, been going wonderfully well. Um, I know there's a couple last, this term and a couple last term, and there'll be more next term as well. 
Um, we're, and we're looking, as Joe's already said, we're looking ahead to Christmas. And the Christmas season is a great time to both reach out beyond ourselves and to make space to come close to Jesus. There are opportunities for compassion and reaching out, which we've just talked about this morning. And also soon it will be Advent. And Advent means waiting. Advent is a season of waiting. So our Advent theme this year is going to be all around the names of Jesus. And Paul is going to tell you all about this and introduce it next Sunday. We're going to give you a candle with the names of Jesus on it. Okay, something, an Advent candle that you can burn a little bit each day. We're going to be just having a focus each day through Advent to help us connect with Jesus and what he's doing. And we're also planning to hold, we haven't um, announced this yet, but I was um, running this past the life group leaders this week and got a big thumbs up from all of them. But we're planning to hold a couple of evenings early December, which we're going to just call Come Holy Spirit. We're just going to get here on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, one, and one Tuesday, one Wednesday, and we're going to pray together. We're going to worship together, and we're just going to wait on God, and we're just going to see what he wants to say and how we respond to that. This is all about waiting. This is a season of waiting. And so as a church, as well as individuals, we're going into a season where we're just going to say, God, what do you want to do? We want to come closer to you. Meet us in this waiting. Meet us in this time. I'm pretty much done. There is time for ministry. Um, just to say that, I did prepare a sheet, and I have some right here, and I have some on the back as well. And it just has a couple of prayers. One is a specific prayer. It's called a breakthrough prayer for waiting on God's timing. And the other one is 10 prayers to pray while waiting on God. It's just some resources. If you find that what I'm saying today has been particularly helpful and you want to take something home to follow up with, this, is a, this sheet would, would really help you. So grab one from the back or grab one from down here. Thanks, guys.